quick heads up. You know that different setup I mentioned abandoning last week? Well, I was still using it for the bulk of this episode. Sorry for the audio. I hope you enjoy nonetheless. Off the cutting room floor and its host has no association with Santo Rigatuso, Robert Bob Harris, Joey So, Santo Gold, Blood Circus, or any related business, alias, or entity. All information presented has been gathered through public sources. You know, they say the meek shall inherit. You know the book doesn't lie. It's not a question of merits. It's not demand and supply. They say, the meek gonna get it, and you're a meek little guy. They say the meek are gonna get what's coming to them, by and by. Yeah, this intro's a bit of a stretch. It's the only thing I could come up with. Anyway, I'm Joss Hawkinson, and this is Off the Getting Room Floor. Episode 4. Too Many Ideas. Notice, multi-million dollar giveaway. Trustee, in fact, must give away over $7 million in household items, jewelry, etc. free. Baltimore metropolitan area only. Limit $1,000 per person. Recipient is responsible for shipping charges. First come, first serve. International wills and trusts. So read another ad placed in the February 26th, 1988 edition of the Baltimore Sun. If you were interested, you would just dial a 976 exchange number, which would cost two bucks by the way, then just pay the shipping. Well, okay, it wasn't as simple as that. Call, listen to a pre-recorded message, and following the instructions, send your name, address, and, if you so desired, your phone number to a Crofton, Maryland P.O. Box. Within days, cries of potential fraud were heard, and the situation was covered by our good friends at the Baltimore Sun. The person behind the ad? Why, our good friend Bob Harris. Every word of the ad is true. The people get what they order. According to Bob in the March 3rd issue of The Sun, it wasn't a scam. International Wills and Trust was just a company that never got going. And the owner, a millionaire, was having Bob's firm, Marketing Specialist Inc., get rid of unsold merchandise. After sending their name and address, buyers would be sent a catalog and several flyers listing what they could get. No, it's true that no one died and was giving away huge sums of money. But then again, when was that mentioned in the ad? The jewelry, according to Bob, would be made with a process he had developed called Forever Gold. Sound familiar? It was an improvement on the previous Santo Gold process, though he didn't really want to talk about that. In that evening's issue of The Evening Sun, Bob, now going by the more professional Robert, explained that he was in no way responsible for the problems with Santo Gold. Marketing Specialist Inc. was the fourth firm to handle the business, and the last guy was the problem. That guy didn't put enough gold in the jewelry. But I took over the line, and I cleared it up. Rebecca Bowman, the director of the complaint unit of the Consumer Protection Division of the Maryland Attorney General's Office, immediately thought the entire thing sounded fishy, telling the Evening Sun, quote, it could be, in fact, that a multi-millionaire entrusted this company to give away $7 million worth of merchandise. But I'm a cynical person, and I tend not to believe that. And because she was good at her job, the Attorney General's office instantly started an investigation into the ad to make sure everything was up to snuff. And, though not familiar with Harris, she was very, very familiar with Santo Gold. 
telling the publication of the complaints her agency had been getting about the company. Complaints of the jewelry's quality. Complaints that refunds weren't being delivered. The Chesapeake and Potomac Telephone Company also wasn't quite happy either, warning Robert that the ad wasn't transparent enough, breaking company policy, and to either explain the program better or risk losing the number. During his interview, Robert was also asked about Blood Circus. A lot of people said I was a genius, and some people said it was incomprehensible. And he explained that the film was going through another round of editing and reworking, and it would be re-released. Within a year, it's going to hit big. It's going to hit big, big. Rebecca Bowman made it clear that investigators would be keeping an eye on Santo, I mean Bob, I mean Robert, and would make sure consumers would be getting what they were promised. Six months later, Santo Victor Ragazzo, aka Robert Bob Harris, was indicted on felony theft charges in September 1988 as a result of failing to refund the money of six Santo Gold customers. In February 1989, more charges would be added, connected to yet another venture. In February 1988, Santo, as Bob Harris, founded Credit Card Authorization Center, Inc., and mailed out solicitation letters using an in-house list of a thousand old jewelry customers. The pitch? A pre-approved credit card, for an initial service charge of $15. The ploy worked surprisingly well, and larger mailings were soon sent out. The problem? Credit Card Authorization Center Inc. didn't, in fact, have an agreement with any bank or credit card company. Instead, paper cards to be used in buying merchandise sold by Santo would be sent out. To the people who actually received anything at all. And, much like with Santo Gold and the filming of Blood Circus, refunds were few and far between. According to Postal Inspector Fred Addison, the complaint started rolling in by April. Quote, I started receiving complaints at least every day and sometimes 20 to 25 per day. In my office alone were in excess of 5,000 complaints, which is highly unusual for a mail fraud case. Usually we'll get around 100 complaints total. I've never seen anything like this before. Upon pressure from the government, the solicitation letters were rewritten to make it clear that the credit cards could only be used for Santo's catalog, though they still claimed Credit Card Authorization Center Inc. could help with getting national credit cards. Through it all, however, according to Joe Kazernikowski, Santo was a kind, caring boss, telling the Baltimore City paper, Whenever people had problems, he would take them into his office and talk with them for a couple of hours, and when I was in the hospital for a month, he made it a point to bring me a paycheck every week. If any of us got into financial trouble, he'd offer to help us out. He'd even let some of the employees, different girls, wear pieces of jewelry around the office. An anonymous acquaintance was also quoted, saying, He had a habit of taking people on who had problems, and he could never fire anybody. He was too nice of a guy. However, good old Joe did notice a shift soon after two truckloads of company records were seized by postal inspectors in September 88. He started getting very nervous after that. Even though he told us not to worry about it, it was the first I'd heard of any wrongdoing. He left soon after. I couldn't believe it, but I didn't want to work at a place that was under investigation. Though, not all felt this way. According to an anonymous employee, quote, I presented to him that we were having problems with refunds. His quote was, As long as I mail out one refund per day, everything will be fine. 
When he was selling jewelry during the millionaire scam, he talked about painting bricks gold and putting them in packages to give them weight. And we always had problems with bills. He told us to send out unsigned checks to stave off creditors. There were many times when he felt he was doing things the right way. But at other times, he would have a mean streak, like with the bricks and the bells. It was like he was more than one person. Special Prosecutor for the Maryland Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division, Roger Wolf, noted that most of Santos' staff didn't question the business's practices, saying, quote, A lot of people thought he was a decent guy, that he just went to excess at times. They didn't think that anything he did was intentional. A lot of his employees were not upset with him. It was only at the end that they began to realize what a scam it was. Nevertheless, the wheels of the judicial system were in motion, and Credit Card Authorization Center Inc. shut down in September of 88, with Judge H. Lee Sorokin calling the scheme despicable. On July 14, 1989, a hearing was held to determine whether Santo was competent to stand trial. Testifying for the government was psychiatrist Dr. Neil Bloomberg, who deemed that Santo was in fact competent, though he concluded that Santo suffered from three mental disorders, Tourette's, OCD, marked by recurrent intrusive thoughts, and narcissistic personality disorder with historic features, resulting in, quote, very self-centered thoughts, sense of entitlement, no empathy, and egocentricity. Santo was found competent to stand trial by Judge Joseph C. Howard who noticed Santo was giving notes to his attorney, David Irwin, showing he was aware of what was going on and playing an active part in his defense. Though, according to Irwin, It was an ironic twist in that I was hearing too many ideas from him. He wasn't helping me because he had too many ideas, as opposed to the client who doesn't help at all. On July 21st, on the advice of his attorney, Santo pled guilty to one count of mail fraud and one count of tax evasion. I would never plead a client guilty who didn't think he was guilty. He has a lot of explanations that came close to saying he's not guilty, but the point that I tried to make clear to him was that he knowingly mailed out that solicitation. He admitted that in court. Though he was found not guilty of committing intentional fraud. Despite one final plea to the judge, I think I would die. I think emotionally, it would destroy me. I'm truly Sorry for everything. He was sentenced to 10 months in federal prison in order to make restitution to his victims. Oh, it was a godsend that he only got 10 months. The government was trying to get him 28 months. I said he has an incredible talent for making money. I put that in the context of making restitution. Originally set at $50,000, it was raised to $2 million on appeal. Despite all this... Credit Card Authorization Center Inc. had already been replaced by U.S. Credit Corporation of America by the end of May 1989. Though complaints about the company did come in, the solicitation letters and literature for the company had been written to lay out exactly what consumers would be getting. According to Washington, D.C. Postal Inspector Doug Turner, The difference is he's complying with the April 1988 consent agreement. He's telling people that they have credit for his catalogs. Many of the complainants writing in tell us that they're disappointed in not receiving real credit cards, but if U.S. credit abides by the consent agreement, then I really don't have much of a case. In the Baltimore City Paper article, David Irwin summed up his final thoughts on Santo and the case. 
This case is a tragedy. Santo is a sweet guy. He's the kind of guy who generally loves his kids. In his grandiosity, he can be an incredible wheeler-dealer with all the traits of Santo Gold and Blood Circus. But whether that's him, I don't know. I feel very sorry for him because he's away from his family. That has to be torturing him. After serving his sentence, Santo was released on November 6th, 1990. As far as I can find, he quietly faded back into the general public, keeping a very low profile in the intervening years. And for a while, that seemed to be the end of Santo Gold and the catastrophe at Blood Circus. Enter Santi Gold. This has been Off the Cutting Room Floor. The cast featured in order of appearance were Hunter, the host of Murder and Such, as Santo Regazzo. Josh, co-host of Rumor Flies, as Joe Kazernikowski. Maxwell, the host of Relic, the Lost Treasure podcast, as David B. Irwin. Robin, from The Trail Went Cold, as Doug Turner. Podcasts and social links for the cast can be found in the show notes. Opening and closing theme, Always Slept So Soundly, is by Sarasu, off the EP, Domestications. He can be found at soundcloud.com slash and on Twitter, at Sarasu Music. Oh, and while you're at it, go to covidvaxinfo.com. Got corrections? Want to get in touch? Shoot me a message at Joss Hosky on Twitter, the show at OTC Room Pod everywhere, or send an email to cuttingroompod at gmail.com. Want to support the show and what I do? Become a patron at patreon.com slash josshosky, share the show with your friends, or leave a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Sources for this episode can be found in the show notes. To find transcripts and any corrections, visit cuttingroompod.cumber.com. And again, that's covidvaxinfo.com. You know, they say the meek shall inherit. This is so fucking stupid.